get your Bibles or however what device you use uh, and turn to the book of John chapter 1. Thank you all for coming back on the Sunday after Easter, the one Sunday that's not required to go to church. Thank you all for coming out today. Glad you're here. And for those of you that were with us last Sunday and it was your first time to be at the Hills and you're back today, thank you all for being here. And uh, we're just happy you're here. And I walked back for just a moment and dove into kids' worship in the back. Man, I, I don't want y'all to see back there because you may never come back in here. I mean, our worship is fun in here, but I walked back and Elise was just leading the kids in worship and the kids were doing choo-choo trains and just a blast. I'm like, this is what I like doing. And so we thank all of our Hills Kids team for all that they do uh, doing that. Elise, thank you, sweetheart. Thank you for having a heart for that. Let's give Elise and her team a great big hand. She's just sweating. We don't sweat when we worship in here yet. We're going to get there, but it's not happening. But kids are. We're in the middle of a teaching theme uh, called the Jesus Way. And uh, we've been in about five or six weeks. And no telling how long we're going to be in this because there's just such rich, deep stuff in this. And uh, I... I feel like I want to share something with you today that I hope is going to impact your walk with God, and it's also going to impact your relationship with other people. And if you, if you really want to learn what the Bible is all about, every word in here is summed up in just those two things, do right with God and do right with other people. Love God, love people, done. Peace out. That's all you got to do, right? It's really that simple. Um, and so I want to talk to you today, and I think this is going to help all of us out. Is that, did I see Jill Jean here? Is Jill, where did I see Jill? Hi, Jill. Jill is here today. We're glad you're, that's a surprise. If those of you do not know Jill, Jill and Jeremy were a part of our church and helped us plant the hills, and uh, were part of mine and Kristen's travel ministry, and now they're on pastoral staff in Shreveport, Louisiana, and we sure do miss you all, but thanks for, glad you're here today. All right, are you ready? John chapter 1. Are we ready to go? Okay. There were 26 we're going to give next week. There were 14 that are ready to go today, Kevin. It's going down. Oh, no. Are you ready to dive in today? Okay, good. <laughs> John chapter 1 and verse 1 through 3, and then we're going to skip down to verse 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. There's a great passage of Scripture, I believe that Paul wrote, that says Jesus Christ holds everything together in Himself. He holds it all together. And this is what John is saying. Hey, He was there at the beginning. He started the whole thing. It was a part of him. It was made for him and through him. And when, so when Nicole was talking about that name, Jesus, you don't realize how powerful that is. It's not a slang word that people use. It's not, it is Jesus. He is the reason. He is the deal. He is the way and the only way. And then, then he, verse 14, jump down. And the word, everybody say the word. Remember, he was in the beginning, he was with God, and he was God. Now it says, and this same word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. There's the Christmas story. We have seen his glory, 
the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full, everybody say full, of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. In this teaching theme, we've been talking about the ways of Jesus. We spend a lot of time as churches and pastors talking about the what you got to do, and, and this is what you got to do. And we don't talk a lot about why or how. And what I've found is most of the time, the why is the most important thing. The why will usually answer the what. And then the how is what gives you your culture. The how is what gives you your personality. So when we talk about the ways of Jesus, it's more than the what. It's also the how and the why. So we've spent five weeks talking about these things, about how Jesus did what he did, not just what he did. Maybe there's a a new bracelet that would say something like that. How would Jesus do it? Not just what would Jesus do? Because I've known a lot of believers and Christians that I didn't like hanging around. One couple head nods. You're sitting beside him, aren't you? Okay, I'm sorry. How many of you have met a Christian that you did not like? Raise your hand. And that you would just rather them not tell anybody that they're a Christian? Come on, just be honest. They may be doing the what? I believed in Jesus. I've accepted him. I've been baptized. Or whatever it is that your religion says you need to do, read their Bible. But for some reason, they never got the how. And the reason they never got the how is because they didn't get the why. Why are you living this way? That's the whole purpose of it. It's not about getting out of heaven and into hell. It's about living the life that Jesus promised. And that life is, come on, hills folks, the what? Somebody said it. Don't be scared. Abundant. Don't whisper abundant life. Abundant life. Yes. (laughs) John 1 speaks of Jesus' eternity. He was with God. He came from God. So he was with him. He came from him. He was him. He was all wrapped up in him. So when Jesus shows up on the scene, I would say that he probably knows God's ways. Wouldn't you think so? He came from God. He was with God. He is God, shows up the Spirit wrapped in the flesh and teaches us the ways of God. And not only did he know the ways of God, he came to show us the ways of God. Now, sometimes when you have knowledge, if you can hold on to that knowledge and not share it with people, it makes you very wealthy, right? If you can hold on to the schematic, hold on to the computer program, hold on to the recipe and not share it with people, then you can, it's, it's a knowledge that you and only you have. It makes it very valuable because you're the only one that knows it. Jesus is not that way. He is a giving God. He shows up and says, look, I know the ways of God. I'm going to teach you the ways of God. So hopefully you can find your way to God. Now, when you read these words, grace and truth, these are the two words I really want to talk, I want to spend some time on today. Everybody say them with me, grace and truth. Those two words really describe 
the two sides of God. And that probably sounds a little weird talking about the two sides of God. But when you read through the Old Testament, take Malachi and go back to Genesis. When you read through the Old Testament, you will see two very distinctive sides of God. You will see the truth side of God, the God of righteousness, the God of justice, the God of judgment. When you read the Old Testament, it is a brutal reading. I mean, man, you want to... There's a reason that they're able to do so many television shows and movies right now about the Bible. There is so much drama and murder and sex and adultery and cheating. And God, because of his truth, cannot let that stuff happen. Because sin and God do not go hand in hand. And so... God says, this is truth. My word says, if you do that, then this is going to happen. And so when we do that, then it's just obliteration. We're talking about entire nations massacred, wiped out off the face of the earth. Many times, women and children, I mean, just gone. And then he would say things like, I don't want you just to kill them. I want you to kill all the livestock. I don't want one remaining anything. And many times people will look at that and go, how could a loving God do that? Wait a minute, you're talking about that side of God. Let's get to this side of God. We're talking about the truth side of God. Who says, this is my word, this is how it's supposed to be done. And God, because he cannot lie, because he is truth, cannot vacillate from that. Are you with me? This is kind of heavy, right? Okay, let me get over to the other side of God. You'll like this side better. This is the love side of God. Love is all about mercy, and love is about compassion, and and love is about peace. These two sides of God where you will see him, someone, he's about to wipe out a generation, and someone will pray a prayer. And he'll go, okay, you know what? All right, because you prayed, because you said that, I'm, I'm going to move. Throughout, it's amazing to me that we focus on the true side of God and how mean God was and bad God was, and we don't focus on how many times that God said, okay, I'm going to give you a pass this time. Well, how can he do that? Because God has these two sides of truth. God is truth, and God is love. And he can never, ever forsake one for the other. He has to do both of them. And so that's why throughout the Old Testament, you'll see almost like a God, you think he's schizophrenic because one time he's here and one time he's there. And No, he's being true to what he is. And you know what? You can find this in our, in our personalities because we're made in the image of God. There are folks in this room right now that are truth people. Right? Just going to tell it like it is. Got to see it, black and white. This is the way things are. I got to say it because I saw it. Blah. Right? Then you got love people. Everything's going to be okay. It's all going to work out. Bless your heart. You know, it's that. How many are one of those right now? You know, that's one of you. 
And some of you may feel like that you're both of them, but I can tell you, you lean toward one side more than the other because you're made in the image of God. And so you have this personality as your driving force. It's either truth, and those people end up becoming great evangelists, you know? And then there's the love, and those people end up becoming great pastors. That's, that's how things work. It's just the way things are, the way God works things out. God has set you up that way. Not only do you see it in personalities, you see it in churches too. I've never been a part of a truth church. Y'all all going to hell, that's it. That's a truth church right there. Good morning, everybody. You're all doomed. We'll see you next Sunday. Don't do this, you this happens. You got to do this. You got to toe the line. You gotta, then you have grace churches. Oh, everybody's okay. Do whatever. It's going to be wonderful. We're all going there. We're all going to celebrate together, right? Some of you have been a part of that. You can see it, the grace and the truth. And it's these two sides. And, and many times, you know, with my personality, my grace side and my truth side comes out depending on who I'm dealing with. I can be really loving, and then all of a sudden, I can be really truthful real fast. And sometimes in a split second, can I get a witness from somebody? And so you have God, these two sides, and yet one of my favorite passages of Scripture is Psalms 85 and 10. So you have this God that has, throughout the Old Testament, there's grace and there's truth. There's love and there's truth. But watch this, Psalms 85 and 10. If you can go there for me. It says, mercy and truth have met together, and righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Mercy, wait up, mercy is over here, that's right. Mercy and truth. Righteousness and peace have come together. They have kissed And this union is what we call Jesus Christ. Because when he shows up, you don't see him one or the other. The Bible says this, he showed up and he was full of grace and truth. That word full, how many know what that means? If you look up the original Greek, you know what it means? It means full. Absolutely no room for anything else, full. Some of you are going to go out and eat today. And at the end of the day, I couldn't eat another bite. And I promise you, 30 minutes later, you could eat another bite. Because you thought you were full, but you were not full. But this scripture says, and I did, I looked it up in the original Greek, and it does say this, no room for anything else. He was full of grace and truth. So much so that everywhere he went, it bubbled over. It just would come up out of him. He was so full of it. He couldn't even help it. It just would bubble up out of him. And I'm sure there were times that he wanted to be one way, but because he was so full of all of this, it would just bubble up out of him. And he would be moved with compassion. Or he would speak words of truth that would just cut right to the bone. He couldn't help himself. It just came up out of him. Full of grace and truth. Another amazing thing that I find about this passage is that it is not logical for you to be full of two things at the same time. Right? So if I have a 
you know, I, well, I go out, I was raised in Mississippi. My mom makes the sweetest sweet tea you've ever had in your life. And it's like, just use it on your pancakes as well. It's just sugar, sweet, sweet tea. And, um, and so that's how I was raised. And so our whole family's tried to cut back on the sugar a little bit and trying to pull back. And, and so now when I go out to eat, I will order, I like some, I like half and half tea, all right? And I don't mean like half and half in my tea. I want half sweet and half unsweet. How many are with me? Anybody else? Oh, look at y'all. Man, I like that. And then Kristen does uh, half water, half unsweet tea, which is like, I don't know. That's just dirty water. That's what you're drinking. And Davis, our youngest son, will say, is your tea sweet? And they'll go, I don't know what you're, because it's really relative, you know. And we have to say, we were raised in Mississippi. Oh, it's not that sweet. No, it's not. Oh, yes, it's very sweet. Okay, I'll have the sweet tea. Evan orders half sweet tea, half lemonade. You talk about just sugar rush, you know. Well, when they bring that glass out, that glass is not full of sweet tea and full of unsweet tea. It's half. Are you with me? Y'all tracking? I know this is brilliant, and I know that it's hard for you to grasp what I'm saying. He's a smart aleck. I'm never coming back to this church again, ever again. Is he really the pastor? But Jesus was full of both of them, which means he never compromised. Get this now. Get this with me. He never compromised one for the other, ever. So when he was in a situation that required his truth to be spoken, love was right there with it. And when there was a time that he was moved with compassion, he also spoke with truth. Man, what if we could get that on us? Because I don't know about you. Yeah, I do. (laughs) I do know about you because you're like me. Every single day, I compromise one for the other. Every single day, I'm in a situation that I should be speaking something with love, and I say with too much truth. Because I'm saying it from my own humanity, and my own hurt, and my own anger, and my own fear of rejection. Are there times that I know that I should speak truth, but I don't want to hurt their feelings, and I don't want to, and so I just let so much love I'm going to tell you one of the greatest things that you can do in your relationships with one another and your relationships with God is to be motivated by truth and love at the same time. So now we've got to find out, since we're not very good at it, and Jesus was, how did this happen? And it's found in verse 1 of our text. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, He was with God in the beginning. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. His eternal perspective is what allowed him to operate out of grace and truth. The fact that he was with God from the beginning, and the scripture says he's going to be there all the way through. He's never going to go away. He is forever. That name will reign forever and ever and ever and ever. Now, I know this morning, right now, is a little 
a little chill, but let me say something to you. I feel in my spirit right now, I feel God is doing a work in this room right now. I don't want you to miss this, okay? Don't miss what is being said. This can be life-changing. Probably not for all of you, but there are a few of you that are going to grab this nugget, this revelation, this illumination, and it's going to change your life from here on out. All right? So that was just me being a little prophet right there. So now I'm going to step back in to being a pastor. The reason that Jesus could always operate out of both is because he had an eternal perspective. Remember we talked about this, that the Scripture says, I think this is the first text that we read, his ways are not our ways. Can somebody tell me why his ways are not our ways? Because his ways are what? Higher than our ways. Leave it to the engineer to remember the, the sermon. The, his ways are not our ways because they are higher than our ways. Our, his perspective is higher than our ways. It's as high as the heavens. And when you study heavens, it means eternity. His ways are eternal. His perspective is eternal. Remember that? We talked about when God looks at you, he looks at you and sees a human soul that will never die. And he's not concerned as much about your human frailties today and and dealing with that right away or how are you going to make it through the tough times. He cares, but what he really cares about is your eternal soul. So when he looks at you and you're just, oh, my God, I've been going through this thing for three days. He's like, what's that? Three days? Three days. I've been going through this for three years or 30 years, and he has compassion on you. But he also has an eternal view of truth that says this thing is, this thing is bigger than this. This is what we're dealing with. It's eternity, sweetheart. You will never die. Look at your neighbor and give him some good news. You will never die unless you're not living right, and that's bad news. You will never die. And that's how Jesus sees you. And so here is what I would say to us as believers. We need to seek. We need to seek to see things from God's point of view. All right, some of y'all were talking to each other, so I'm going to stop and I'm going to say that again. This is very important, all right? Listen, how do we step into this? We need to ask God to allow us to continually see things from Jesus' point of view, how he sees things. You talk about allowing us to walk in grace and truth and to speak with grace and truth and to act with grace and truth is at every, at every situation, okay, how would Jesus do this? Not what would he do, how would he do it? Colossians 4 and 6 says this, Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Everybody say grace. I love that the word gracious comes from grace. Don't you love gracious people? Just when you're around them and you feel like, man, they're honoring me. They love me. They made me biscuits and gravy. And lit candles before I came over. They're, they're a gracious host. Man, I, some people that are just gracious and they're kind. And I love that word attractive. We do everything we can to be attractive, don't we? And he said, let your conversation. I'll work on this a lot. And just let my conversation just be gross and ugly and pitiful. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive. 
so that you will have the right response for everyone. So there's the grace part of it. And yet, I, we don't have this back there, but Ephesians 4.15 says this, Speak the truth in love. So this is how you continually walk this thing out, is there's never, never a compromise for one than the other. It's continually saying, all right, I've got to speak truth, but how am I going to say this with love? And I love this person, but I can't let this keep going on. I've got to speak some truth as well. How do I do this? Okay, Jesus, I want you to show me what you would do in this situation. I want to see this from an eternal perspective. This will keep you from losing your mind with your kids. Instead of the terrible twos, you look at them as an eternal being. It's going to grow up and be an amazing, amazing leader and child of God. Magninos, amen. If y'all haven't met Olive, y'all need to meet Olive. We're probably going to vote for her one day. She's going to be president or dictator. I don't know which one is going to be. She's an incredible, I will tell you this, she will be an amazing leader. That's just what you can see it as a young age. And leaders are not easy to parent. I'm going to just tell you that. Ask my mom. That's just the way that it is, you know. It's just the way it is. And so, you know, I'm going to say something to you. This is, this is important. You know, we always, how many ever heard the story of Samson? This is off the notes. Is that okay? I don't care. This is Sam, Samson. You've heard the story, right? Remember Samson, there were some things he wasn't supposed to do. How many can tell me what they were? Don't cut your hair. Anybody else? Don't drink. Don't touch any dead things. Don't mess around with women that you aren't supposed to be messing around with, right? And he did all those things. We always just use the haircut. That was the last thing he did. He messed around with all that stuff. That's another sermon in itself. But here, here's the thing that when, when, when the angel came and said to him, Sam, to mom, his mom and dad, this is what's going to happen with Samson. And he said this, but you got to take the same vow. So mom and dad that wanted to raise amazing children had to take the same vow that Samson took. They had to live the same way. So sometimes we want amazing, powerful, crazy kids for God, and yet we don't are not willing to walk the same way. That's just a little caveat, but that's a strong word. And the only way that you can ever do that is to have Jesus Christ leading you and teaching you to do it. So number one, his eternal perspective led him to operate out of grace and truth. And number two, how did he do this? And it's really simple. He came from God. I usually like to rhyme things or have alliteration. I just, I couldn't find it this week. And so that's what you got. He came from God. It's pretty simple. Why was Jesus Jesus? Because he came from God. How could he do things? He came from God. Let's get back into, we read John 1, 1 through 3. Let's start at 3. And we skip down to 14. Let's read those verses in between, okay? Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and through the world was, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. 
Verse 12, this is what Shine was saying a moment ago. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So Jesus, who was from God and knew God's ways, came to show us God's ways, but didn't stop there. He also gave us the right that he had to become a son and a daughter of God. Those that believed and received him, he gave the right. Doesn't automatically mean that everybody that believes and receives steps into the inheritance. You simply have the right to step into the inheritance. You have the right The right to step in. He gave them the right to become the children of God. The only people that step into the complete and total inheritance are those that understand God has something for you that you cannot do on your own. So you can believe and be saved and walk through life and never step into the abundant life that Jesus Christ has for you Because you only have the right, but you haven't taken that right and done something with it. Those that are led by the Spirit are the sons of God, the Scripture says. So you can be alive in the Spirit and never step into being led in the Spirit. Here's what I felt in my prayer time this week. I felt like that God is stirring up something in certain people's hearts that they want to step into the full rights that they have as sons and daughters of God. And not just be happy with church and religion and not just be happy with things and not even be happy with a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to step into what He really has for me. Over the next several weeks and the next months, I want to start talking to you about what I believe something that the Lord has, has, has spoken to me and something I used to travel around the country and speak about a lot, and that is our identity in Jesus Christ. That He did not call us to be just His servants. He called us us to be his children. And there is a big difference in a child and a servant, right? And he didn't call us just to be children. He called us to be heirs of God. And not just heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. There is a big difference from being a servant to being a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to begin to pray, God, don't let me just have the right. Let me step in and activate that right. He came from God. The frustration that you and I have is that we cannot do this on our own. Listen, we can't do this. If Jesus would have just showed up without coming from God and declared all the things he declared, he could not have been what he was supposed to be. But because he came from God, he could walk full of grace and truth. Listen to me. You and I will never be good enough. So stop it. Just stop right now. Stop trying to be good. Stop trying to have, be full of love and full of truth. It will never happen. You're going to continually mess up and cross the line and speak more truth than you should and show more love and all this stuff. At some point, you and I are going to have to understand everything good from us has to come from God. Everything. 
I've got to continually say I'm not good enough. Listen, y'all, this is not just about salvation, all right? This, it, it was dull. It ain't dull now, all right? This is not about salvation. Don't, don't get mixed up about this is about salvation. Because continually say, oh, I know that I can't, I, I can't make it to heaven on my own. No, not that. You can't even breathe on your own. You can't even stay married on your own. Don't put this in heaven and hell. Let's talk about right now. I can't do it. That's why there's got to be a continual thing where there's this breathing in more of him and breathing out him and more of his word and more of his worship and more of his presence. And uh, Kristen looked at me the other day and uh, just a, a day or two ago and we were getting phone calls from Oklahoma and getting phone calls from one of our sons that was walking through something and, and getting uh, a couple of people in the church were just walking through tough times. And, and it was just one of those days. You ever have those days where just like everything at one time, right? Just, I, I've said this before. I wish they would all get together and go, okay, we're going to be on Monday. You'll be on Tuesday. We'll give them Wednesday off and then we'll jump into Thursday, okay? But no, it's like they all get together and go, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to all get them on Tuesday. Everybody at the same time, all right? It was one of those days. And we were getting frazzled. And you know, what are we going to do? And all of a sudden, Kristen looked and said, big tears. And boy, when Kristen cries big tears, just like big, big, big old drops. And she said, I do not know what I would do without him. And I thought she was talking about her dad or Evan or Davis. And, and what? Oh, y'all, but no, I do not know what I would do without him. And boy, at that moment, the presence of God swept in that room. That's all he wants. Listen to me. All he wants is acknowledgement. That's it. In all of your ways, and he will. Simple. You don't have to fast and pray all the time. And I got to get in the word. What's the word say? No, just, okay, Lord, I'm acknowledging that I do not know what to do. I need you. I love that. Not only does he know the way, he comes to show us the way and doesn't stop there. He gives us the same privilege he has to become children of God. Just like faith and works are required, grace and truth is required. Faith and works must go hand in hand. Grace and truth have to go hand in hand to live an abundant life. Last thing I'll say, Romans six fifteen and 16. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Is that up here? Romans 6, 15 through 16. Well then, since God's... I love that. Well then, since God's grace has... Say those three words with me. Set us free. Say it again. Set us free. John 8 and 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will... Write it down. The reason they have to go hand in hand is because grace sets you free, but truth makes you free. 
grace will set you free. And so what he's saying is you've been set free from grace, but now truth says you can't keep on sinning. So those of you that struggle, those of us that struggle with making that mistake and asking for forgiveness and repenting, and you can feel the grace of God come. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you did last night or this morning, and God, forgive me, I, I'm sorry. And then a week later, you do the exact same thing that you swore that you would never do again. How does that keep happening? It's because you're only allowing grace to be in your life. Grace, and there's not truth that's stepping in, that's saying, this is how you should go about doing what you're supposed to do. I want to encourage you to not just allow grace in your life, but have truth in your life. Let the Word of God be an ever-abiding present in your life. Just show up, man, in it. Get in that Word. Seek after His guidance and His counsel. Listen to the Spirit of God. How many received that word today? Do you receive it?